one of those kind of days where nothing goes right. You ever have those? It was, uh, you might think in the pastor world that never happens, but believe me, it does more than, more than you might be aware. This is several years ago, and um, had just, I just had enough that day. I mean, it, just, it was just an exhausting, emotionally draining, um, conflict-filled day. Several just situations through the day where I was just drained. You know, I was absolutely drained. And I drove home, and I remember I walked into my house, and one of my, I get emotional thinking about it, one of my children was there. I won't tell you which one it was, don't want to embarrass them. They were little then. And they came running over to me and just wrapped themselves around me like a young child can, you know. And they thought I was holding them. But in truth, they were holding me. I needed it. I needed that, I needed that connection, you know? I, I needed to be filled up with energy, with, with strength, because the battle had been tough that day. And I was really thankful that day for just the, the relationship that we could have. We're gonna talk today about prayer. Roger already started this down that road. I want to encourage you, there's a blue calendar over there. There's about, oh, I don't know, 17 days left or so in this month, whatever it is. Um, and I want to encourage you to be in prayer. We've said, let's make month, uh, let's make the month of May, that is, a month where we spend a significant amount of time in prayer. And so we've given you some things to pray about every day that matches whatever the calendar date is. Give you a passage of scripture to look at it and be encouraged by We've challenged you with this week, do something maybe that you've never done before. Spend some time when you normally would take time to make a meal and eat and just say, God, for the next hour, I usually would make lunch or I would make dinner, I would make my breakfast and I would eat it, but I'm not going to have that today. I'm not going to have that. I'm going to refrain from this physical food so that I can just spend time with you. Through your word, in prayer. We call that fasting. It's not original with us. It's been practiced for literally thousands of years. The Bible talks about it. Jesus talked about it. So I encourage you to, to move yourself along in your personal relationship with the Lord, in your intimacy with God through your prayer life this week. Open up your Bible with me to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to see about this, this advantage that we have in the battle we're talking about the spiritual battle that we're in. That I felt that day, and I feel on many occasions, and I know you do as well. Because we're in a world that's rebelling against God. This world is in a civil war against God. And we live on the battlefield. We live right here where the war's going on. And at times, it might even feel like the war's against you. You might feel like the war is against you. But Jesus said this, when they reject you, they're not really rejecting you. They're rejecting him. 
The battle isn't about you. It's not. We don't battle against flesh and blood. The battle, God is already winning. He's won the battle. Jesus won it on the cross. But we're here now. We're here now as his representatives, as his ambassadors, pointing to him. In Ephesians chapter 6, we, we see this battle laid out. And I'm going to read some of it. I'm not going to take time to read it all. But I'm going to start in at verse number 10 and then skip to the end of our passage. Verse number 10 says this, Finally, brothers, sisters, those who are in Christ, beloved followers of Jesus, finally, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. See, this is not a strength that's yours. It doesn't say, you know, lift spiritual biceps so you're real strong. God is the strength. We put him on. That's all all we do. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Jump down with me at verse number 18. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And, Paul says, for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that when the battle is hard, we might feel discouraged and tired. Lord, that you have told us what to do. You have shared with us where strength comes from. I pray, Lord, we would learn that lesson today. Prayed in Jesus' name, amen. There's some things that, that you have to know as we go into this discussion really the the final discussion we're going to have on this spiritual battle. There's some things that you have to know. You see, first of all, in verse number 11, that there really is an enemy. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Schemes is a word of craftiness, of cunning, of trickery. You need to know that we do have an enemy. There is an enemy of God. And his name... Is, is, helps us to understand. It's instructive. Here he's called the devil. He's called Satan. And Jesus called him the tempter. Let me just remind you what those words mean. When the Bible calls Satan, Satan. The word Satan comes from a Hebrew word that means accuser. He is the accuser. What does an accuser do? An accuser points a finger and says, you're rotten, you're no good, you're awful. This is the nature of the enemy of God. He accuses the elect. That's what he does. He's also called the devil. The word devil means slanderer. So what this tells us is his accusation will be lies. He will lie about God. He will lie about God's children. He will lie to you about this world. This is what the enemy of God does. He has arranged a system now 
There's only one Satan. He's not omnipresent. He's not omnipowerful. So he's not running around, you know, putting things in front of you to make you trip. Don't, don't make Satan so petty that he climbs into your dishwasher or your washing machine and breaks it. That's not, that's not what Satan, that's not what the devil does. He has designed a system, a world system that is opposed to God and accuses God with lies. This is what the enemy of God is trying to do. To slander God. To convince you of an untruth. That there's goodness apart from God. That there's blessing outside of God. That God, that God doesn't have your best in mind. Or that God has turned his back on you. Or that God has left you all alone. Like an orphan. No. Lies, 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 lies. If you are a child of God, hear the word of God. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. That's the word of God. That you are in the palm of his hand and nothing can snatch you out. That's the word of God. That God wants to give you life. That Jesus has come that you might have life. Life to the full. That's the word of God, folks. Don't listen to lies. Satan lies. The tempter lies. The accuser lies. And he says, you're alone. God has abandoned you. They're stronger than me. They're stronger than God. No. The world has something to offer. Lie. God's truth is true. And you know it in your spirit. God testifies with your spirit that you are a child of God and his truth is true. Now, one of the things that I also want you to realize is that Jesus was in this battle as well. Jesus had a prayer life. And I, I want to talk about that for a minute because that's where I'm trying to get today is prayer. But I want to remind you some things you need to know about the battle is that Jesus prayed. Mark chapter 1, verse number 35, says that Jesus would go off by himself to a mountainside while it was still dark in the morning and pray. Luke adds that this was his habit, that he did this often. And every time you see Jesus making a significant decision, selecting the 12, deciding to go to a different part of the, of the, of the Middle East to, to preach the gospel, you see Jesus retreating off and praying and then coming back to his disciples and saying, guys, this is what we're going to do. Now that causes questions in our mind. And the questions are instructive. So stay with me. See, we wonder, what's Jesus got to pray about? Right? I thought Jesus was God. So what's he doing? Is he going off to the mountainside? You're like, well, what do you think I should do? Well, I don't know. What do you think you should do? Well, how about if we do that? Is that what he's doing? Is this some kind of an internal conversation? Is he making request of God? Oh, God, hear me, myself, and I. What, what's happening? We're looking at the Trinity. We're trying to understand it. 
Listen, the reason we ask those kinds of questions is because we don't understand what prayer is. You know why you can't understand why Jesus prays? What it reveals is that you think prayer is about you telling God what to do. That's why you can't understand Jesus praying. Because it doesn't make any sense to you. Why is Jesus telling God, I thought he is God. Why is he telling him what to do? That's not what prayer is. Prayer is not you retreating off somewhere where you give God your list of things that he needs to pull off for you and get right on it, man. That is not prayer. Why is Jesus going off by himself to pray? I thought he was God. He is God. So why is he off praying? Because prayer is about your intimacy with God. Jesus knew He'd spent an eternity in fellowship, in relationship with God. Since eternity passed, the Trinity experienced relationship inside the Godhead. And so when Jesus would go alone to pray, it wasn't to tell God what to do. And quite honestly, it wasn't just so God could tell him what to do. It was so they could be together. It was so they could be together. Remember that day when I came home and I was exhausted and worn out and tired and just needed a touch? My son or daughter, I'm not going to say which one, they didn't tell me what to do. They didn't say, Dad, what you need to do is practice 1 Corinthians chapter 5. No, they didn't do that. They didn't do that. I didn't tell them what to do. I didn't say, listen, I want you to call this person and tell them that they're sinning. I didn't do that, no. Just needed closeness. I want to talk briefly now, um, because everything else I've said, I want to talk about the attitude of prayer. I'm going to give you a pattern of prayer. I want to talk about the attitude of prayer. So, So what do we bring in our attitude before the Lord, our attitude of prayer, and then I want to talk about a pattern that you can use to pray. I've had people say to me, Pastor Lowe, I, I just don't know how to pray. I just don't know how. I don't know what to say. I, I, I don't, and I remember that feeling. I remember because what would happen is I'd sit there where you are when I would be at a church and this guy up front would pray and he's like talking all on these these and vows. I'm not sure what that even means. He, every word ended with TH. I'm like, how does this happen? You know, how do you do with that? You know, so I didn't know how to talk that way. I didn't know how to really pray, I thought. But I was wrong. So let's look in Ephesians 6, first of all, at the attitude of prayer. Paul says here in verse number 18, are you with me? He says, praying at all times. The first thing I want to see is this is a daily dependence, a moment by moment. We are invited now with intimacy with God all the time, all the time. I was just recently cutting some trees down with somebody. And I was telling the person as we were cutting the tree down and it falls down to the ground. I'm like, every time I cut down a tree, and listen, some of you might not be happy with this, but I've cut down a lot of trees in my life, okay? It might make some of you upset, but I really have. And every single time, I'm running that chainsaw. And I'm praying the whole time. I really am. Oh, God. 
please don't let this thing fall on me. Don't let it fall on my son. Help me to know how to do this. The whole time. So I, when I see this praying at all times, I think cutting down trees. Because that's when I know that I need God, see. I'm dependent. A daily dependence. As you're walking through your life, you are interacting with God all the time. All the time I'm praying. Listen to what the New Testament says about your prayer life. You are to pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. In everything by prayer, Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6. Be constant in prayer, Romans 12, 12. Devote yourself to prayer, Colossians 4, 2. And praying at all times, Ephesians 6, 18. And, and that's not it. That's just, that's just a sampling. I can remember hearing that and think, you know, this would be no earthly good. Well, I go out to cut down trees. Hold on, hold on. Let me get down here. Okay, let me, let me pray. Let me pray. I, I guess that could be okay. But I knew that isn't the way regular life works, right? I got things I got to do. I got places I got to go. I've got trees that got to be cut down, right? So this is a daily, a daily dependent conversation. When Paul says praying at all times, that's what he means. Next, he says, in the spirit, in the spirit. Now, what this, what this communicates to us is that this prayer is spirit-guided. This places some of those bumpers on our prayer life. How many of you bowl with bumpers? Uh-huh, yeah, I know, I know, you do, you do. You know those bumpers? So when you roll that ball down the, land, the alley, it can go back and forth, and somehow it will knock some of the pins down, right? That's what, this, that's what Paul is saying. Praying at all times in the spirit, now, this doesn't mean, you know, like uh, this out-of-body experience where I'm praying another language or something crazy like that. That's not what this means. What it means is my prayers are restrained by God and his spirit and his word. So if you find yourself praying that your enemy would be taken out, that your neighbor's house would burn down, that your boss would wreck on the way to work, I can't believe you're saying that, Lowell. Have you been looking into my head? You find yourself praying. You're not praying in the spirit at that point. You're not praying in the spirit. In the spirit means I'm guided by God and his words. That's important. These are the attitudes of prayer. Moving along, I want you to see that we're praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Now, here's what this means. I, I call this that you are engaged in the battle, but I want to talk about those two words briefly because you see them all the time, prayer and supplication. They're, they're two different words, and there's a third word that your New Testament uses, but just two here that talk about prayer, and they're, they are, they're very similar, but there's a little bit of a difference, okay? Prayer, when you see the word prayer, it just means that intimate relationship that you have with God. It's describing your conversation with God, Go to me coming home and holding my little child and just having some closeness. That's kind of what the word prayer means. That you and God are in fellowship. You're connected. You're talking to him and he's talking to you from your word, from his word that is. But the word supplication though, that means when you are asking God to work. So in prayer... I'm this conversation. I now pour my heart out to God and ask him to work in my life. That's prayer and supplication. I want you to see you're engaged in the battle. 
Oh God, I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. It's prayer. Now God, let me know what to say to this person at work who's oppressing me, who's suppressing me, who's pushing against me. Let me know what to say. How can, what can I say to them that doesn't hurt you but sort of diminishes this moment? What can I say? Hear that supplication? In the midst of prayer? See, that's where prayer is me and God communing. We're, we're together in fellowship. Supplication now is me asking. And my asking is now boundaried by the Spirit. Okay? So I got the bumpers of the Spirit. And when am I doing this? All the time. You see how this attitude works? Moving along. He says here, praying and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. With all perseverance. You know what the word perseverance means? It means not quitting. It means not quitting. What I want you to see here is that Paul is calling us to trust the process. Trust the process. Is God at work? Yes. He is at work. Do you play chess? I'd like to play you. I used to be pretty good. I'd like to play you. You know, when you play me with chess, you better watch out. Well, you better watch out when you play chess against me because I'm going to do something and, you're going to, and I'm just going to make a move and you're going to think, that was stupid. And I won't reveal my face. I just, oh, there, I moved my knight out there. And in my heart, I'm thinking, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you real good. There's a process, see? There's a strategy. There's somebody superintending the chess match. And that somebody is God. So don't quit. Don't quit. Keep trusting. Keep moving. Keep standing. Don't quit. Stay engaged. And finally, for here, for the attitude, it says, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. You know what that means? There's somebody in this room. There's somebody in your life. There's somebody in your family. And they need you to come to them and say and report, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Make supplication for all the saints. We support one another. We support one. Sometimes I'll find myself saying, I wish I could do more. You ever say that? I wish I could do more. And I know God knows my heart, but honestly, what more could I do than to appeal to God, confidently go to his throne and say, oh Lord, be with this person. Encourage them. Strengthen them. They need you, God. They need you. So these are, this is sort of the attitude of prayer. And Paul here is, is inviting us to the spiritual battle so that we can be encouraged and that we can stand. How do you view prayer? I mean, honestly, it's just you and the Lord in your head, right? I hope. You know, how do you view prayer? Is it, is it intimacy? Is it closeness? Or maybe you've slipped and you've, you've kind of misunderstood it 
and you thought it was a to-do list, either for you to give God or for God to give you, either one is off small amount. And if you go long enough off by that small degree, you're going to get down the road and you're going to find yourself maybe, you know, 20, 25 years later of misunderstanding and you're not going to get this at all. Small corrections are very important here. It's about intimacy with God. All right, now, let's, let's, let's just pull back a little bit and, and help us understand a pattern of prayer. And, I, and I, what I'm going to share with you now is not original with me, okay? But I want you to know that this week, when I walked through my neighborhood, did you? Did you walk through your neighborhood this week and pray? I was following this pattern. I was following a pattern you find in Scripture. And, and I do want you to turn one other place. Go to Matthew chapter 6. We'll just camp out here for the next five minutes or so. Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus is praying. But this is a special prayer. This is a special prayer. Because this prayer is meant to teach us. To, to help us to understand how we are to pray. So in Matthew chapter 6, we have a prayer of Jesus. It's often called the Lord's Prayer or the Believer's Prayer. And if you're like me, if you grew up in like a denominational church or a very liturgical church, you probably quoted this every time you were at church. We did. We did. We would quote this. And I would had no idea what I was saying. Okay? I'd just, you know, walk through it. You know, our Father who art in heaven, how be thy name. I'm like, how be thy name? What does that even mean? And I would go through this sort of process, but I didn't know what any of it meant. In reality, this is a pattern that Jesus is going to give us so that it will help you in your prayer. We've already talked about an attitude. Now let's talk about a pattern, okay? So let's, let's read it first. Verse number nine. You should read seven and eight and think about those this week, but I'm going to go right to verse number nine. Pray then like this, Jesus said. Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. Not hollowed. For a long time I thought it was hollowed, like a hollow log. I'm like, what? Hallowed. Hallowed, actually, be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with you memorizing that. There's nothing wrong with you praying that. But there's a lot wrong with you praying that and not knowing what it means. Okay? There's a lot wrong with that. You're now violating what Jesus has just been saying. So let's look at this instead of memorizing words, let's look at this as a pattern that we can remember to help us know how to pray. Again, this is not original with me. But maybe it'll be original with you today. And use the letters A-C-T-S, Acts. You can remember that, right? And the first letter A stands for adoration. You see in that word, the word adore. When I go to the Lord in prayer, this is just, you know, practical life. The first thing that I talk to God about is him. I talk to God about him. I worship him in my prayer life. You know, often, I, often it's just like, God, you're so good to me. You listen to me right now. You are, you are the creator. Thank you for making me. 
Jesus says here, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He is adoring the Father there. First of all, he calls him Father, which was unheard of in this world. To refer to God in such a personal nature, they, 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 they reject Jesus because he had the audacity to speak about God as if he knew him, as if he was his own father. So he says here, Father in heaven. This is a term of endearment. And he says, hallowed be your name. Now, you don't use that word hallowed. I know that. You never use that word in conversation unless you're quoting this. So you might know what, might have no idea what it even means. Here's what it means. It means to be made holy. Your name, oh God in heaven, my father, let your name be holy. Now, holy doesn't mean really, really good. It doesn't mean sinless. It means different. Let your name be different than any other name. That's what Jesus is praying. You are unlike any other person in all the world. You are completely unlike me or any other human or any other God. There's only one and it's you. That's hallowed be your name. Start out and adore God in that way for who he is. The next thing I'll encourage you towards is a time of confession. A time of confession. Look what Jesus says here. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that doesn't sound like your kind of confession, right? Confession for us is, oh God, I lied again. Oh Lord, I lusted again. Oh God, I did this again. And there's nothing, that is confession. But this is an interesting confession. What Jesus is modeling to us is that we are praying that God's kingdom, his rulership, would reign on earth. That's what we want as believers. But we need to confess to the Lord, I try to control, I try to be king. But you alone are king. Moving along quickly, he then goes into, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. It's a time of thanksgiving. Thanking the Lord for what he's done. Thanking him for the daily bread. Thanking him for forgiveness. Thanking him, thanking him, thanking him. And then lastly, supplication. Supplication, as we said earlier, is requesting. And I want you to notice what he says. Verse number 13. See it? Look at it. Look at it. Let God's spirit challenge you. Jesus didn't ask for a car. He didn't ask for a new, new job or a, a promotion or a pay raise. He didn't ask for a better house. He didn't ask for that. He didn't model for us that kind of request. His request? Prepare me for the battle. Prepare me for the battle. Lead us not into temptation. This is our request of God. God, do this work in my life. I want to be used of you. Don't let me get distracted. Keep me with you. It's a model that you might use. It's a, it's a pattern that you might use in your prayer life. I want to say this, and I know I'm, I'm low on time, but I would actually invite our praise team to come on up here and I'm going to close this out in a song. But I want to share just some ways that I want to ask you to pray about some specific things for our church. I'm, I'm sharing with you some ways I want you to pray. 
I want you to pray that we would be a church that reaches out to our community. That we would be a church that knows and believes that people are going to hell. Let that sink deep. People are dying and spending eternity in torment separated from God. Oh, that we would be a church that believes that and understands that and is driven by it, is broken for people around us. Pray that we would be a church that grows up the young ones that are sitting among us. There are children and teenagers that are part of our body. And listen, they need you. They need us to minister to them, to point them to Jesus. You, you, yes, you, you. To point people, little ones, to him. I got too many things here to list. Pray that God would lead our leadership. So I want you to know, there are big decisions that Centerpoint Bible Church is facing. And I also want you to know that the weight is heavy. And I need to know that I've got brothers and sisters that are praying for me. We are called to have a ministry of the word and prayer. That's what I'm called to. There's all these other things that are calling. If you're not going to pray for us, it's bad. It's bad. I'm asking you to pray that God would lead our church and that we would be moved with compassion for the people around us. That's my supplication before the Lord.